the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 171. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you, my friend? feeling a little heavy this week um despite the fact that I celebrated six years of sobriety yeah this week and that was there was some levity to that day but right um just feeling a little heavy this week you know Mm. it's um hard not to the weight of the world and so much so much unknown Mm. um you know, my kids are really, I don't know, suffering from the isolation this week, particularly. And uh, so that's hard. It's hard to see your kids, you know, yeah. be uncomfortable and, you know, and, and not being able to do much about it. Yeah. Um, we're not getting a vacation this summer, which, you know, there's several reasons why probably the biggest one is that you know it's just feels irresponsible to travel right now um uh plus you know it's financially irresponsible for us actually too since we are finishing up our remodeling and paying for all that and um so anyway it's just a lot a lot of lifey stuff yeah um just feels heavy this, this week. I agree with you. I agree with you. I am in my typical fashion of how I do things, Sandra, like I can keep it all going for a while and then I'll hit this wall. Right. And so I was on a creative, um, Tiffany Hahn is my creativity and life coach and she has been for three years. And I was on a call on Friday that was like a, like a work session, like a three hour work session where Tiffany, you can ask her anything. And you also get to hear all the other people's questions. And for me, I'd been really creative the last week. I was really doing all the things and feeling really good and kind of riding a high. 
But I had to call myself out on that call. I was like, I'm distracting myself by doing all these little things, you know, because I don't want to do a big thing, you know? And so she said, well, what's your big thing? I said, well, it's not creativity related. She said, that's okay. What's your big thing? What's the frog that you need to eat? And I was like, um, it's working on my divorce papers. And she said, you're going to spend these three hours doing that and you're going to be accountable and go ahead and make a list of where you need to start, you know? And so I stayed on the call for three hours while working on this stuff. And I got so much done. Sandra was so helpful. Um, I realized that the reason I wasn't starting my divorce paperwork is because I had about six to nine months worth of filing that I hadn't done right Mm. in in the office. I had to do that before I could do the paperwork to find the paperwork to add to the, you know, get to the attorney. So it was like this big cycle thing, but no, had I mailed out all the, my orders for my business, had I been painting, had I been cleaning my studio, had I been, uh, you know, teaching the proof of life and making collages. Yeah, I did all that stuff. That was awesome. (laughs) But I was doing it all as a way to prevent me from doing the thing that needed to be done. And then also what needed to be done was income tax. So none of these things are sexy, right? Divorce paperwork, taxes, not sexy, but as a self-employed person, you have to do the paperwork to do your tax. You just have to do it. And like, I think it was seeing and hearing from the attorney about my future and about the reality set in of me as a working creative, like, could I really support myself Mm. at this moment, Sandra? No. Oh, I know. I hear you. No. (laughs) So it's really, it is dark and it is hard. And I did, yesterday was a really tough day for me. My throat was closed all day and I knew that my voice needed to be heard and speak up and talk to Steve, my husband, about some things, talk to, bring up things that I don't want to talk about. Right. And it's like, it's all part of the process of recovery. It's all finding my voice, finding my worth, doing all the things. Like I can see it. I can know it. But like you said, sometimes it is just dark. (laughs) Mm-hmm. know that that's not going to make me drink. It's not going to make me make some choices that are going to have huge consequences. I'm just going to sit with it, but it's fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. I get mm-hmm. it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. It's not all roses and sunshine and unicorns. Mm-mm. No, no. And yeah, I can distract myself mm-hmm. happily with my creative work and I'm you know, very thankful that I have it because that's a clean distraction for me. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to be concerned about right now. (laughs) I mean, you know, the economy is tanking and, and, you know, that means that people don't have extra money to spend on things that we offer. (laughs) For sure. And so that's, um, that's a scary prospect. Absolutely a scary prospect. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be transparent about that for a minute. And, and, um, because I know we're not alone. I know we're not alone. Sure. Yeah. It is the part about being transparent and getting on. And just for me to be honest with myself, I, I, I grew up in a way that, um, money was this really tricky thing. You know, we should, we should maybe have a money episode sometimes because it's just such a tricky it's how you're raised, what you see modeled. Um, you know, all of that is part of my money story. And, um, and it's why I do all the finances in my household. I, I control it all. Right. And, um, 
to give up some control, Sandra, even like through a divorce, like I do want, it's, we're going to be separate, but yet I, oh, yeah. I, I'm having a hard time with that. Um, but acceptance will come because other things will come with that too. And it won't all be doomsday, but I am feeling, I'm feeling, yeah, like you, I'm just feeling there's a lot and we're not alone. That's for sure. Yeah, I know we're not, I know we're not alone. I know we're not alone. Um, well, what yeah. can, can you um, maybe promote something that you're doing? I was going to say, speaking yeah, of, then let's just go ahead and promote. Wait, wait, hold on. I got to tell you something because I was chatting what? with a friend and um, I was telling I have a lady boss meeting that we meet in, in sober creatives. They're in the Unruffleds and we meet and they live near me, but we met by Zoom yesterday. And one of the things I brought up was I said, I struggle with promoting myself in a way, sometimes it feels like too much. Then it feels like I do nothing. We talk about newsletters, just talking about lots of things. And the member of my group, she said, I love the way you and Sandra do it on your podcast. It never feels oh. like a hard sell. She said, it always feels like you guys are just being really super honest and it's genuine. And I want to support you because of that. And oh, I, that's nice. I love that hearing nice. that. And I said, well, we just do it how we do it, but yeah, this is our way. So we're going to do a little self-promotion here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I don't, I, um, I don't find it hard to promote things because these are things that I love and I don't, I don't mind promoting things that I, that I am passionate about, but, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I am, I can take some clients now for change your story. I'm, I'm down to one right now. So um, I have all the time and space for you. If you um, want to, you know, work on something, even if it's a creative practice that will help keep you sober, because that's what I did. Um, you know, um, if I can model that for you, um, I would love to help you with that. And um because it has been, you know, sitting with discomfort. And if you don't know what that word means, it's, it can, it's, it can mean being, you know, sad and anxious and unfulfilled and joyous, even excited, all of those things that make us just feel itchy and uncomfortable. Learning to sit with that um, has been probably the, the key, the, the one biggest lesson that I've learned um, in, you know, maintaining long-term sobriety and, you know, the, the, the one thing that helps me do that is my creative practices. And, um, so if you need help with that, um, I would love to walk you through it. Um, go to my website, theinruffle.com and click on the top bar. Um, it'll take you to the the sales page for change your story and you can read more about it and how to sign up. Um, also in my marketplace, um, you can buy a meditation pillow or caftans handmade all a labor of love by me. Those are my absolute favorite things to do is to mm. make things and put them out into the world. So that's it. That's good. I know I love what you've been making. I've been looking at your meditation pillows and seeing other people sharing your meditation pillows, which are so beautiful too. So I think it's Thank so, you. so cool. Um, yeah. So me, let's see. I have a lot of little things that I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out how to make it all coalesce and go together. And so uh, I've been taking um, accountability, accountability clients and doing little one hour sessions with them and then offering 
three different options afterwards to work with me for accountability, you know, on a short-term basis, on a little bit long-term basis. And um, what that looks like is just like gratitude lists, um, artful gratitude lists, or um, a painting a day project, things like that. So I'm working on that. People can check that out on my website at TammySolace.com. And um, I haven't even told you this yet, Sandra, but I um, have signed up to get some additional training from Jolene Park because most of my clients are um, either sober, well, all of my clients are sober, sober, curious, or in Al-Anon. And a lot of the questions I'm getting is how to quit drinking. And I don't have any training for that other than what I've done. So Jolene's going to help me um, with some packages and do the training and figure out how to have creativity lead it with some backup on the back end. So I'm starting that training with Jolene on Monday. Oh, exciting. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to, we're going to work with uh, creativity as the lead and then have some tools for me to help um, learn how to be a better accountability coach. So uh, that's what I'm doing. So I'll, more, more of that will be revealed later, but that's what's going on. TammySalas.com. And we want to introduce you to our guest today. Yes. I'm so yes. excited. Um, yeah. Dawn is lovely. She is one of my proof of life students and she was a guinea pig for me last summer when I was experimenting with like live um, proof of life uh, modules at my house. She came out from Sacramento and, oh. I got to, and she's come to women's circles I've been at that me and Sasha and Natalie led. So I got to, it's been nice to be able to know her in real life too. Mm, so why yeah. don't you tell a little bit about her? Yeah, so today we have on the podcast Dawn Hoppy. And and her and you spell her last name H O P P E, by the way. Yeah. Dawn is a yoga teacher and jewelry maker living her best life in Sacramento, California with her husband and cat. Um, she's been sober since 2011. She's a new homeowner. She's obsessed with podcasts, crystals, creativity, and personality tests. I appreciate that. Um, she's an Aquarius, an INFJ, an Enneagram One. We we could have, we probably should have talked more about Enneagram stuff anyway. Right. Uh, lover of fall and moons and trees and twilight. Oh, she was so delightful to talk to. And her business is uh, elevateadornment.com. That's her website. You can find her on Instagram at elevate.adornment. Same on Facebook. And she has offered our listeners, our community, because she's so grateful for the people that have been supporting her small business, uh, a discount code for 20% off, um, a one-time a one 20% off. You can order as much as you like, though, in that order. And the discount code on her website would be Unruffled Gratitude. So we hope that you love Dawn as much as we do and enjoy the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Hi. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. We keep intersecting. Yes, we do. <laughs> Wonderful I ways. That. I love it. I love it. Uh, tell our listeners where we're chatting with you from. Where you uh, at? Sacramento, California. Have you always lived in Sacramento, Dawn? No, I grew up in the Bay Area. And then uh, about two and a half years ago, my husband and I moved up here because we could no longer afford the Bay Area. And, um, you know, honestly, I was not super excited to be priced out of the Bay Area. I was maybe a little resentful. Um, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it ended up being the best thing. Like, I love it up here. You know, there's lots of trees. And um, we were, you know, able to afford a home um, after a couple years of living in an apartment. And um, yeah, great people, 
good yoga studio, I mean, normally good yoga studios um, when they're not closed down due to COVID. Um, but yeah, it's a great, we got a cat. Um, good little life up here. What's your cat's name? Well, I mean, technically her name is Fiona, but <laughs> somehow she's become Boopsy. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but yeah. <laughs> Everything I know about Sacramento, I learned from the movie Lady Bird. Yes. heard that before? <laughs> that was part of the, um, I had a friend who had moved up to Sacramento like a year before, and uh, she was hardcore trying to get us to move up here. And so she took us to, um, there's a movie theater up here, the Tower Theater, sort of this sort of old timey kind of place and took us to see Lady Bird and pointed out all the different things in the movie. So, yeah. Aww. So it was a fantastic movie. So that's a, that's a high, um, high praise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It made me fall in love with it too. And I, you know, it's, I've, I've only been to Sacramento a couple of times. The first time was in fifth grade on a field trip to go to our state capitol. Um, and that, and I've told this story a little bit on the podcast, but for those of you who are new, um, I was on this plane and um, my band, I had a band in fifth grade where I was going to perform and be Pat Benatar. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And the boys in my quote unquote band, I was going to lip sync by the way, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the boys took pictures of the tour guide's butt. She was wearing like white dittos and um, they got suspended. <laughs> That's my little story of me never getting to be Pat Benatar. It was all because of the Sacramento field trip. Um, so Don, how we normally start the show is not with stories about me in fifth grade. We make it about you. And so we're going to ask you to share with our listeners a little bit of like how you came to the decision to quit drinking or what your journey was like, um, so that they can, um, listen to that and, and get to know you better. So will you share that with us? Of course. Yeah. So, um, my sobriety date is December 6th, 2011. And um, I was thinking about this earlier and it was apparent before I even drank that it was likely going to be a problem. Um, my family has a history of alcohol abuse and, um, and I knew that there was a genetic component to that, or at least that was my understanding at the time. Um, so I felt like I was predisposed to it. And I could also, like I had what I called at the time an addictive personality. Um, I was just obsessive about things, you know, whether it was reading or jigsaw puzzles or candy. Like there was a lot of areas in my life that there seemed to be no off switch. And, um, and so when I started drinking at 18, I had every intention of being very careful with it. And, um, you know, but once that first drink was in me, all those good intentions went right out the window. And, um, and I think for me, in the beginning, drinking was a real relief. Um, I had always been a very shy, self-conscious, kind of insecure person um socially anxious and so when i had a couple drinks in me all of a sudden i could be that outgoing social butterfly kind of person that i had always wanted to be and um you know and so that's kind of what drew me in in the beginning was sort of that social aspect of it 
And, and I mean, I like the physical sensations, but a lot of it was just like that mental, um, sort of self-abusive mental chatter that I had constantly going, just kind of left when I was drinking. And, um, and so, I mean, it was social for a while, but um, pretty quickly, um, it escalated and, you know, I was in my late teens, early twenties, and it was easy enough for me to convince myself that it was normal because kind of everybody around me was also, um, you know, experimenting and drinking to excess and overshooting the mark from time to time and um, doing stupid shit here and there, you know? So it was easy enough for me to convince myself that, um, that that's what I was doing too, even though I think deep down inside I knew that mine had a little bit of a different flavor to it. Um, and so it wasn't before too long that uh, it escalated and I, you know, I, I couldn't really trust my behavior around other people. Um, so I began to isolate more and more and And I was still sort of like holding it together on the outside. Like I was, you know, I was in college at this time. So still going to school, still getting decent grades. I was still going to work, paying the bills, that kind of thing. Um, you know, but the people closest to me had begun to worry about me and um, had begun to have conversations with me. And, and I was, you know, always open to that and, and, you know, apologetic and they had a point, you know, and were you having consequences, Don? I'm sorry to interrupt. Were you having consequences that would, that that's why people were having conversations with you? I mean, just, I mean, they had to do a lot of caretaking, okay. of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So like, uh, peers, like friends or. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, and they were always very, I, I mean, I was, I've got some lovely people in my life and they were always like very loving about it um, and just worried about me. And, um, and I would always promise to cut back, you know, I'll try to cut back and I really meant it, but I just, I, I couldn't seem to manage it. And I suppose the first like real consequence was um, my best friend and roommate at the time um, gave me an ultimatum of, because she had heard those promises, I'll cut back, I'll cut back, I'll cut back for a while. And so she finally sort of gave me the ultimatum of you either quit entirely or you find someplace new to live. Hmm. So I found someplace new to live. Right. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a solution. Yeah, hmm. I moved back in with mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, much to her chagrin. And um I've done that several times, moved back in with mom. Yeah. But, uh, and it was a couple of months of that and she knew, you know, my mom knew what I was up to. And, um, and I was finally like transferring from junior college um, to real college. So, I mean, it was time for me to like address the issue. And so a couple months into that, I, I did start going to AA and um so I went to my first meeting and it was a smoking meeting hmm. and there was a bunch of really old people mm -hmm. 
and I have no idea what they said. I could not relate to any of it. I thought for sure I was in the wrong place, but a gal did buy me a big book and I took that home and I read it cover to cover and I related to a lot of it. And so I found a different meeting. And so I started going to meetings then. How um, old were you at this point, Dawn? That, I was 24. I think. Uh, just for frame of reference. And, and how old are you now? Just so I can kind of gauge it. 41. Okay. All right. Um, so I started, yeah, I started going to AA and I had no intention of getting a sponsor or doing the steps or even staying sober. Like my goal at that point was I just want to break the cycle of daily drinking. I just um, wanted to drink better. Like, is this going to teach me how to drink better? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew that wasn't the point of the program, but that's mm -hmm. what I was going to do. I was just going to sure. go out for a couple months and then go out and drink like a normal person. Right. You can guess how that went. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm afraid we know how that goes. Yeah. But, you know, it's an option that, you know, keep worth exploring, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know I explored it many sure. times, like uh, hundreds of times, different ways. Like how on earth can I keep this? How can I keep alcohol in my life? You know, I was willing to, I was willing to do lots of, lots of, things, lots of experimentations, lots of ways of drinking to try to keep it in my life. Oh, the links we went to. Yeah. And, and, and like, I like that you're just, okay, I'm going to try this. I'll read the book. I'm going to try to figure out how to, you know, cut down. And that's the first step, right? Like that's that step zero. I always talk about like, we have to do a bunch of things before we're really fully ready to quit. Yeah. And that's what you're doing part of that convincing, right? You know, yeah, that it's not an option anymore, you know? And I mean, so I, after a few months, I did start drinking again and it was in no way controlled. Um, within a week I was back to daily drinking within a month. It was worse than it had ever been. And, um, and at that point it was like, I understood that there was no control. Um, so I stopped trying to control and I just drank the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And, um, which was not great. It was like six months of sort of a downward spiral. And again, I was still going to school and work, but I mean, I was, I was some version of drunk or hungover 24 seven. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I got a DUI and, um, and that should have been a wake up call and it wasn't. And, um, I mean, the final bottom, you know, after driving drunk again, my mom found me passed out in a wrecked car in her driveway with an empty bottle of whiskey on the floor. And, you know, I vaguely remember her hauling me into the house. And the next day, like she and my dad who were divorced and like never on the same page about anything really sat me down and they're like, what are we going to do with you? Like, this is a problem. This is not the functional alcoholism that my family knows and loves <laughs> something different. Mm. Um, so it, you know, and I mean, this was not my last bottom, but it was like the lowest. Yeah point for me was like, I mean, I was watching the news and reading the papers to try to figure out if I had hit someone, if there was a hit and run, if I had killed someone. Mm. Um, 
frightening. Yeah, to see my parents so like worried and defeated, you know, over my behavior. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. So I went back to AA and I did what I was told. <laughs> I got a sponsor and I did the steps and, um, and it was good. It was good. Um, I also met a guy in AA fresh out of rehab. So, uh, <laughs> we got together because that okay, sounded wait. like a good idea. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I'm gonna need, let's pause. <laughs> let's just hover here for just a second. <laughs> so, what age is this now that you're? Is this, this your last is time? Twenty six ish. Twenty six ish. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, so we got together, and um, and you know, we really understood each other, and. So we probably didn't really even need a program anymore because right. like, we had each other, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that didn't work out, did it? Slowly <laughs> fell away from the program. It wasn't really a conscious decision. It just, you know, happened. Happened, and uh, eventually we started smoking pot together, mm. and um, and we eventually broke up. Um, <laughs> shocker and uh but the pot thing was interesting because that was like um it felt real manageable at the time mm -hmm. like it gave me that head change i wanted without like blowing up my life um but i can look back now and just realize that spiritually like I was just bankrupt, you know, like I, yeah. all of the things that I had learned or sort of rediscovered in my short time in AA, all the tools, you know, um, journaling, um, prayer and meditation, getting honest about my feelings, like all of that went away, you know, um, yeah. just so much easier to reach for the bong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I tried that a couple of couple of times um as an you know let's try marijuana as an option this you know this, this is how i can temper um my alcohol problem and yeah it was never i mean it just you know speaks to these are all the symptoms of the problem you know because if you're not addressing the core of it it doesn't matter you can switch up the substances it doesn't really matter it's just switching one thing for another yeah and i will say during that time because that was like a five-year period during that time um like there was some progress like i i i discovered yoga i went to yoga teacher training um there was like some growth happening um but but not at all what it could have been, right? And not at all what it is now. Right. And eventually I did start drinking again. And um, and it wasn't in the same quantities or with the same sort of gusto as I had before. Um, and so it was like two years of couple months on, couple months off, couple weeks on, couple weeks off, you know, more on than off. And, um, but I could just see it wasn't, 
it wasn't going to go anywhere good. And I had that sort of sense of impending doom, like it's, I'm about to fuck everything up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and by this time I was doing yoga, right? And Sandra, you know, you were doing Bikram yoga for a little while. It's 90 minutes of looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, um, it's definitely one of the more intense experiences <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, just 90 minutes of looking at yourself in the mirror um, while every pore of your body is is activated. Right. And so to do that while I was, you know, I mean, I didn't show up to class drunk, but like while I was in a period of drinking was just like excruciating to have Mm. myself like that because I knew how like out of alignment with my own integrity I was. Right, and you can't unsee that. No. As much as you, know, you try. And I was teaching yoga at the time too, you know? So I would go into class and I would teach a class knowing full well the moment the last person left the studio, I was headed straight to the liquor store. Mm. You know, it's just, it wasn't an integrity. You kind of keep leaving yourself, right? you're you're in and then you're out and then you're in and then you pull yourself out. It's like this battle you're having with yourself and yeah, having to look at yourself for 90 minutes and, or look at at a class that's looking at you to lead them. That has to be really hard. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and then sort of what brought me back to AA was this conversation I had with a yogi at one of the yoga parties and I had, it was interesting, like I, I had sort of kept my drinking in check the previous month and in my head, I was fully planning my bender for that night. Like it was on, my roommate was out of town. I didn't have to work the next day. I had been a good girl all month. Like it was on, all I had to do was get through another hour of this thing and you know, it was on. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to this older gentleman and, you know, he started hearing some of this AA lingo and, uh, and he had mentioned he was in the program and he was talking about, you know, some of his struggles and flaws and, um, and it was just like, he had what I wanted. Like here was this very flawed man, like, owning his flaws and mistakes and just trying to be a better person, you know? And, you know, I wanted that. And I was finally ready for that. You know, I was finally, I think, um, yoga didn't cure me. Um, but I did, I do think it did a lot to make me ready for it. Um, so, so I went back to AA and, um, and got a different sponsor and, started doing the steps again uh, in a much deeper way. The sponsor I got this time around was, she was also trained as a therapist. So she was sort of taking me through the steps um, and therapizing me at the same time, which I think I probably needed a lot of both of those things. Um, Yeah. And so, and this was the last time, December 6th of 2011. Well, I came in on November 6th. Yeah. And then, uh, and I was smoking pot for another month. I wasn't quite ready to give that up immediately. So December 6th is sort of final 
no, no weed, no alcohol sobriety date. Wow. Do you still attend AA or do you do different things now? Or how does that look for you now? I don't really anymore. I will on occasion when I go down to the Bay area. Um, you know, I, well, I did meet another guy in AA. Um, <laughs> you did do. Okay. I'm very interested. So in well. this um, I'm married to him now. So this is going <laughs> a lot better. Okay. I want to hear this. Yes. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> what you well, want to share I on mean, it. We, we got together pretty early in my sobriety. I mean, I think I was four or five months in, which mm -hmm. is not recommended and it could have gone very badly, but luckily my husband turned out to be a really just wonderful, sweet, supportive man. Um, so, so yeah, so with the AA thing, so we continued to go for, for many years and, um, and it was, and I've met some really good friends that I'm still in pretty regular contact with. And, um, it was a couple years in that I started, um, listening to the home podcast and discovering Holly and Laura's work. And that was just sort of another shift for me. You know, it was so refreshing to hear sobriety through the lens of a modern woman. Yeah. Like in the language and lexicon of a modern woman rather than, you know, some white guys from the 1930s, you know, I just really appreciated like the language that they put to it. And in some ways they were talking about similar things and, you know, some of the ideas were quite different, which I also really um, appreciated. You know, I think a couple of my takeaways from that, like, um, I mean, the idea that it affects women and men in different ways because we're socialized differently um, was really huge for me. Um, I think that sometimes the tough love um, focus on humility, eradicating ego. That. Eradicating mm -hmm. ego, your mm -hmm. is doing push-ups in the parking lot, kind of mm -hmm. fear tactics of AA. It actually served me well in the beginning. Like that, that, that fear of going back out, like served me well for a while, but I, it just didn't feel sustainable after a while. Like I, I wanted to build a life I didn't want to escape from, you know, build a life I love that I want to be in. Absolutely. Yeah, it can, and that, and I think it's so healthy too because we're gonna grow and evolve, you know. And I was just in a meeting this morning, and it was, you know, I was trying to remember what it was like because we have so many newcomers right now in our meetings, and I want to make sure that my shares um, could benefit, you know, if I feel called to share. I didn't share today, but it conjured up a memory for me of what it was like to walk in there brand new, and to hear some of these sayings or or you know the little. Um, what is it? The, not cliches, but the, the phrases that they say. And yeah. it was important for me in the beginning to kind of keep it simple and have some things to hang on to. But what came up for me today was like, there was a woman that was very, um, I hung on her every word because she was a little bit outrageous. 
And she was saying things that I just wished I could say, you know, and she didn't believe in God. And I was just, in the beginning, I was just kind of transfixed with her. And then one time I, you know, I was keeping all these notes for months. And then after the meeting one time, she came up to me and she said, um, so you're new and uh, I'm going to tell you who you should probably talk to and who you shouldn't. And I'm going to tell you who works a good program and who doesn't. And my immediate thought was, I don't think you work a very good program. <laughs> but I was just kind of sitting there kind of shocked. And then I thought, there's people in the rooms that teach me, you know, how I want to do that. And there's te- people in the room who teach me how I don't want to do my own recovery. And both of them are valuable. And both of them are my teachers. Yeah, and, for sure. And both of them remind me to put my judgment in check and stay curious and all of those things. But I think um, as time goes on, you start creating the life that, yeah, you don't want to escape from, like you said, and hearing it was for listeners who don't know what we're talking about. The home podcast was just kind of like this outrageous format, right? Two women, one who was going through the steps at the time and one who wasn't Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan. And it was like, I was every Wednesday, I think it came out if I'm remembering correctly. And I was just waiting for it to release so that I could hear, yes, modern women talking about recovery. Yeah, it was groundbreaking and so grateful for them to bring us all together. Yeah. Because we were all in in a secret Facebook group for that podcast, right? Dawn, were you in their secret Facebook group? I was not. No, I wasn't in the Facebook group. I was just listening to the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was was pretty um, revolutionary, right? Like that was kind of a fun, I mean, I know there was other podcasts, sobriety podcasts out there, but for them, it was kind of, it was shocking the things they were talking about and how open they were. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the, the idea of recovering out loud, you know, was also a big sort of shift for me, sort of coming up in AA with the focus on anonymity and, um, and all of that, the idea of like recovering out loud, um, felt right that you could do it and you wouldn't turn into you know a vapor or whatever if you don't (laughs) (laughs) I I never wanted to say anything you know I never really wanted to come out um because I wasn't sure if it would stick you know right same oh yeah yeah because I yeah I agree I mean I have made proclamations many times in my life and never honored my, you know, commitments to my, that I had made to myself, much less to anyone else. And so I was a little shy about that too in the beginning, just because I had let myself down so many times. It's so beautiful to see another woman in recovery, recovering out loud. I mean, that's kind of how it all started with Laura and Holly on Instagram for me. And I think it's very, um, when you're investigating, when you're in that step zero phase, when you're looking to other women and you kind of want what they have, but you don't know how exactly they got it. I was just gobbling it up, right? That's how I found Sandra. I was listening to Sense Right Now podcast and listening to her, um, her interview. And so much of it resonated with me um, of her recovery and how she came to it. And I felt like at the time, like I want, I want to hang out with her. I want to know her better. You know, I like what she has. I like how she's talking about it because she doesn't sound like she's full of shame and regret and just has the smallest, meekest voice. Like, Oh, please forgive me for being such a bad 
woman. You know, like it wasn't any of that that I was feeling. Those were all my feelings. And seeing women be empowered by their sobriety, that's what I wanted. I still want that. I still want that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I took away from Holly and Laura and, and their conversations was that this wasn't like a, you know, being sober wasn't this disastrous consequence because I couldn't handle my shit. You know, it, uh, it was, it could be a proud choice, Yeah, you know, and just like sort of that shifting, um, was huge. It was huge Mm. for me. Mm-hmm. Same, same for me. Say I relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. When I had, when I shifted from, you know, I don't get to, you know, fill in the blank um, to, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to, that changed everything for me. It felt um, empowering and you're right. It felt like a choice. Yeah. Well, Dawn, so around this time, you, so you've married your love from that you met in the meeting. You're sober. You have found um, some women that you like listening to. What also happened for you? Is this when you started your biz or when did you start your business? Um, yeah. Tell us so about I, that because I know your creativity is something that I want what you have. It's beautiful. I love how oh. you do what you do. And, and, I, and I think that everything you touch is, just has this beautiful touch that is all you. It's all, you know, it's done by you. I, even when I see things before I know it's you, I know it's you. <laughs> so oh. can you talk a little bit about that and share with our listeners how that maybe did that, was that born from your sobriety or has that always been with you? What you were making? Um, a little of both. So I did go to art school. That's what I finally did end up studying in college was art. Um, and in college I was doing mostly um, ceramics Hmm. Uh, that's sort of my main love. And then when I graduated college, um, I was sort of, I was a little burnt out on, cause I had sort of taken a bunch of studio classes those last couple semesters. And, um, I was a little worn out by the critique and, and, um, just the constant making. And plus with ceramics, you have to have your own studio, which I, did not occur to me ahead of time that I was <laughs> up an entire ceramic studio and I'm not so good with machines and technical stuff. So it was a little bit of an oversight there. Um, but, <laughs> and at the same time I discovered yoga. So it sort of like just took me life. I felt like life just kind of took me in the yoga direction and um, I just kind of left creativity behind you know and I would find ways of um you know decorating the apartment or you know working on posters for you know the yoga studio or whatever um but really wasn't doing anything um substantial for many years and um and just kind of I think mentally kind of tucked it away like oh that's not for me anymore um and then a couple years into sobriety, I took a workshop with Sasha Corellis um, and, and Bex Urban at uh, Love Story Yoga in San Francisco. And um, so I had made jewelry for myself for years, um, but I had never been very like, uh, I, I used mostly repurposed materials, 
Um, so I'd never been super specific about like the materials. And then I took this workshop with Sasha and she was talking about all the crystals and their magical properties. And, um, and, and I think I approached that with the same mentality that I approach most things a little woo, like very open to it, but also needing a little bit of evidence for it. So I made my bracelet and I was wearing it every day. And like within a week, things started shifting. Like it was the weirdest thing. Like I had conversations with family members that I had just sort of, you know, we had never had conversations at that level. And I just felt like sort of this inner shift of like, uh, just gave less fucks, you know, I just kind of wanted to go do what I wanted to do and not worry so much about it. Like I'm a high, tend to be a little bit on the highly anxious side. And some of that just seemed to like go away or not go away. It was still there, but I could move through it. It wasn't paralyzing. Yeah. So when you, you made a mala bracelet with Sasha, right? I made a mala bracelet with Sasha. Yeah. Uh, things shifted. I was a total believer in the crystals. And so then, um, at one of the yoga studios I teach at, they do a maker's fair every year. And I had started that like a couple years ago. Um, um, so I was the organizer of that and I was sort of the maker's fair was coming up and I was a little bit on the fence about whether or not I was going to participate that year. Um, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll just make some crystal bracelets um, for this little maker's fair. It was really like not at all like a business idea. It was just a hobby and something that I wanted to share with my fellow yogis. Mm-hmm. So I think I remember just witnessing your first foray into that. Yeah. Just yeah. On, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the end of 2017. Um, and so I did this maker's fair and uh, now the new maker's fair is very fun. It's a beautiful community event. Normally we do not tend to sell a whole lot of stuff. You know, it's more of a sharing experience. Well, I sold a shit ton of bracelets. Uh, (laughs) I got invited to like three other events Some guy offered to help me build a website. Like, I mean, it just happened so like quickly and organically. And before I could think too much about it, all of a sudden I was in the magic bracelet business. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's like the best case scenario, isn't it? Because it's just the validation you need. Like, okay, well, you know, I started before I was ready. I didn't really have a plan, but I guess I'll keep going. That's exactly what happened to me in, in my garment making business that I'm still doing. Um, same thing. Yeah. It was just like, well, I got a bunch of orders and this was just kind of went on a whim, but best case scenario. So validating. Absolutely. And I mean, I have been looking for something, you know, like I, I love teaching yoga, but I was, I was, I mean, I was living in the Bay area at the time I was teaching so much yoga to try to make ends meet living in the Bay area that I was just like burnt out. And I was like, I need, you know, something else. Um, And part of that something else was moving to a more affordable area, but part of that something else, and I needed like this creative outlet, you know, for years I had sort of pushed that away and said, okay, you know, it's good enough to decorate the apartment. It's good enough to come up with a cute outfit. Like that's enough 
that was all the space, all the room I was giving for my creativity, right? You know, and it wasn't until, you know, I, I started making that I looked back and I was like, that was not enough. Right. Well, you were doing the best you could, right? Like that is a creative act. I'd love when we talk about that, how we dress, how our home is like, it's all this creative act, but it felt for me when I quit drinking, like I need to fill, I want this hole filled more. I need Mm -hmm. to make more. I want to create other things and I want to connect with people and I want the circle to widen. Like I didn't, I was living so small before. And then the, now that it kind of radiates out, I love it. I love it. And I like, so just like what Sandra, I think said earlier, it's like, this is happening for you, not yeah. to you. So this right. Guy, yeah. Like the universe supported you yeah. in this. Yeah. And so it, it just is that, that it's that cushion that you need to keep going. So Sasha was probably put in your life to intersect with you, right? To inspire this kind of evolution. And she's such a teacher. She's such a good friend of mine. I love her so much. And um, we were just texting this morning about roller skating together soon. But she, you know, what she does is really beautiful and how she teaches what she does. So you, you signed up, you, you were attracted to something about all of that, right? Yoga with Bex, Mm -hmm. mala making, and then it became your own, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So then man offers to help you build a website. This is a part of this where I think it can get really sticky for people who think they're not technical, right? Like I'm not technical yet. I have a website. Um, it can be done is what I'm saying. So how did you, how did you, how did you do that? Cause that's a big undertaking. Yeah. Well, so that actually fell through that he didn't actually help me do that, but it planted the seed. Right. Um, I have a friend who had been doing jewelry, um, for several years. And so she, she told me that the easiest way to build a website in the beginning was when you get one of those square, um, card swiper devices, you get a, an online shop with that for free. Oh, okay. So that's, so that's what I used for many years. And I mean, the, the beauty and the drawback about that, I mean, I think that there's paid versions that offer um, different options, but the free version is just super basic, which was a great way for me to start because I didn't have, I mean, you couldn't change the font. You couldn't have more than like one page. It was just like a one page, you know, website, online shop thing. Um, so that's what I used for a couple years, um, as my website. And, um, and then it got to a point where I felt like I wanted more customization. I wanted to be able to change the font and format the pictures the way I wanted to and have multiple pages and whatnot. So that's when I switched to Shopify. So that was about a year ago, I think that I made that switch Mm -hmm. to Shopify and um you know i am not technically inclined and um i was able to figure out shopify um not without probably not as quick as you know somebody with some tech skills could but i was able to do it and their customer support is amazing like anytime i had a question um i would call them like with square i don't think that there was even a customer service um, number. Um, but with Shopify, anytime I ran into something, I would call them and they would very kindly, (laughs) very graciously walk me through, um, you know, what, what needed to be done. So yeah, Shopify has been great. 
That's like, when you're saying all this, these are all like beautiful exercises, metaphors, however you want to look at it for recovery. So we need to ask for help, right? (laughs) So when we say we're not good at something, right? I'm just speaking for myself. When I say I'm not good at something, it's because I'm afraid to ask for help. Yeah. I don't want to, like I spent all day yesterday doing my, finishing up my taxes and finally had to ask my husband for some help with some things. I wait till the day before taxes are due. <laughs> I wait until the, the, you know, 11th hour for things. Um, this is one of my character flaws. This is one of the things I need to work on. But when I do ask, I'm always met. So why do I constantly forget that every 24 hours? Like, why do I forget that I, I'm usually going to be met by people. You know, I, I, I would say always met by people. Cause then I'm going to pivot if I don't get the answer I need, or I, or I hit a brick wall, I'm going to have to ask maybe somebody else, but it's just, it's amazing. And so the fact that you took yourself through it, you were patient. It sounds like with yourself, right? Yeah. And built it. Well, it looks yeah. beautiful. It looks beautiful. Thank you. It's really pretty. And I know you have a beautiful butterfly logo. I know Sandra loves the butterfly as well. You Mm. two are like soul sisters in that way. Um, I love that. So how did you land on the butterfly for your logo? The butterfly, it kind of happened by accident. Um, That first maker's fair that I um, was participating in before it was a business or anything, um, on the tags of the bracelets, I like to write down what the different stones are and what the different energetic properties are. Um, So I'd write those down. And then on the flip side, I had these butterfly stamps from Michael's. And I just, I, you know, just looked cute on my little cardstock um, tags. Um, And then at that fair, everybody commented, Ooh, I love these butterfly tags. I love these butterfly tags. And, um, and so when I actually decided to have, you know, make a business and have a logo made and whatnot, like I want, I knew I wanted to keep the butterfly and that's sort of where elevate came in too, is I wanted a word, um, that sort of embodied like the, the magic of, of crystals and sort of, um, that whole thing, but also somehow tied into the butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's sort of what I landed on. And, you know, but now, so I thought that the butterfly was kind of just by chance because I had that Michael stamp, but now I look back at pictures of things and like this butterfly has been following me all along. Like I made this <laughs> piece in college where this this like antique butterfly brooch right I look at this you know picture of me when I was a kid I've got this t-shirt with this big bold butterfly on it you know it's been following me Mm. isn't that interesting when you discover those things yeah Yeah, you can line them all up well I made a note earlier when you were talking about you needed to drink in order to be a social butterfly yeah um and how that's transform very, you know, because the butterfly is this uh, transformation symbol as well. Right. And that you've transformed from maybe thinking that you had to be that into the beautiful butterfly that you are, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to fuel yourself with booze to do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Dawn. Uh, let's see. I have more questions for you. Uh, you have a home studio, right? So you're making all of these things in your home. So you have your new home. What is the name of your home? I forgot what you named your home. Bernadette. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. I because you're it. a new you're a new homeowner, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. I mean, being 
being a yoga teacher, and I've all, even before I was a yoga teacher, I was in sort of restaurant um, and retail. Um, so not making the big bucks, we'll put it that way. And right. The area where home prices are so um, crazy. And so, I mean, I just had written off the idea of ever owning a home. Like I just thought this is not in the cards for me. It's not even possible. Hmm. Um, so once I figure, and, and so much so that I had convinced myself I didn't want it, you know, like I can't have it. So I don't even want it. Oh, it sounds like too much, too much work, too much of a headache. I don't even want that. And once I did some soul searching and realized, oh, I actually, I really do want that. Like I'm sick of, I was moving from apartment to apartment, you know, getting priced out having to move back in with mom, um, you know, and once I realized, like, no, I do want a home, um, you know, we had to make some decisions and move somewhere where it's more affordable, which, again, ended up being a blessing, and, um, you know, save up some money, and, and now we have a home here in Sacramento, and it happened so sort of quickly and organically, like, once we had done, you know, my husband and I had a lot of conversations and he wasn't ready. And so once he sort of became ready, um, you know, the very next day, my real estate agent is also a yoga teacher. So she, um, the very next day after he and I had this conversation, she just randomly showed up at yoga. She sent us some listings, like let in less than a week, we had purchased a home. Hmm. Like we had seen three houses. We liked the third one. We put an offer. It was accepted. It was like done right away. And like, I mean, I just sat on the curb outside of this house. You know, it's like everything I wanted. Like there's trees everywhere in this little neighborhood. It's so green. And um, the house is just, you know, it's a cute little, you know, um, house in a sweet neighborhood with these vintage lampposts and I just I sat on the curb like crying like I cannot believe like mm -hmm. I'm gonna live here mm -hmm. um yeah so it's amazing and yeah part of it is having the art studio I've not I've like when I started my business I was still in the Bay Area living at my mom's house and so my brother's old bedroom was um I was like doing all this beadwork hunched over on his little twin bed mm -hmm. um, <laughs> And then we moved up to Sacramento, we got an apartment. So it was like just sort of a desk area in our dining room. And, um, and now I have like an actual room to do artwork in, like a whole room for it. Mm -hmm. Just so decadent, right? I can't even believe it. I'm like pinching myself. Is this my life? It's yeah. It's, it's great. Mm. I love this theme of how you just keep getting, you just keep being supported. Yeah. I got to, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's like, um, been such a lesson to me to like let go and trust and move with a little bit more like intuition and instinct rather than planning. Like I used to really try to plan things out and uh and plot and it never turned out the way you know i had planned um so yeah just the trusting and putting one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah 
Uh, well, you, I, I, you came to my house last summer, Dawn, and it was so beautiful to watch you work too, um, to witness all the women at my table that were working um, and making and just seeing like your intention with things. When I read your Instagram posts and, and or read your website and look at what you make, like there's this beautiful, um, you're very drawn to neutrals, um, yeah. which I have been a little bit more drawn to neutrals lately, which has normally not been my thing, but I'm seeing like this really the beauty in it. And so I'm very attracted when I look at your feet or when I look at the colors that you pick, um, they're gorgeous. And so you get to really, um, I don't know, tell me your process with that because everything is this beautiful hue. Even right now you're working on some things in the proof of life project and your coffee staining things and tea staining images to be a certain hue. Like you're drawn to that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. Um, like I really love different aesthetics, but like that's the one that feels most like genuine to me is sort of those earthy neutral kind of, colors and that's I mean that's what I like to wear that's sort of what I like to be surrounded with in my home so it's happened um rather organically and also it's it's part of a self-imposed limitation too because like I work with crystals and do you know how many crystals there are out there there's a lot of crystals <laughs> out there and you cannot have them all no, <laughs> I cannot afford them all. So I have to have some kind of limitations, right? You know, so, and I mean, limitations is, is very freeing for me in a way to, um, to try to keep things in a certain color palette, to try to keep things in the same format. I mean, I think that's why I stumbled through creativity for a little while is that, um, like the like blank canvas, even the proof of life, Tammy, sometimes trying to figure out um, collage and stuff like that feels a little intimidating to me. That's why like the stringing beads is so meditative for me because it's just like you put beads on a string in a different format, right? And there's, there's so much you can do with that creatively, but there's like, um, like a baseline format to that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So all that having an artistic style though, you know, like it's, it takes a while, I think as an art, as, a, as an artist to develop a style. And then once you do, it's kind of like, you know, it is kind of like your stamp. It is your mm -hmm. blueprint. It is your color story sometimes, or, you know, I, I think, um, I think that happens after some practice. Yeah. But I like that perspective, Sandra, because I can be really hard on myself thinking I want it to be perfect, thinking it needs to be a certain way. Um, I like your, your words right now. Like that's an artistic style rather than it being that, oh, Tammy's just back in her trying to be perfect phase again. You know what I mean? Sometimes I go quickly to that story because it's way easier and I identify with that and I've been told that. So I like that to, to just really allow room for your artistic style and the limitations. Um, that you're looking at that. You just made that sound so positive, Dawn. Your self-imposed limitations. That's like you decided, right? right? You decided, and this is a, it's a choice. It's not like it's something. Um, I don't know. I just like that whole phrase. Well, and sometimes there's a lot more freedom in limitations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because having none can feel just too. Um, yeah. 
overwhelming. It's that like uh, decision fatigue. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. They're already made for you if you've like already decided, okay, this is the color palette I'm working or this is the right. Oh, I like that. You guys, that's very helpful to me. Thank you very much. I'm working on a project and that's very helpful what you two have just shared. Thank you. Well, and I think Sandra's point, your point about like allowing it to develop, like there are what I've discovered, no shortcuts, you know, like it just takes time. It just takes time and process to, um, to develop. And, um, I think I was not willing to go through that process for a while. Um, yeah, you just yeah. have to become right. We're becoming. Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. when we do fight it, when we do resist it, um, it's going to take longer. But maybe that's what it needs to do, you know, and to accept that, the whole surrendering, the concept of surrendering. I like the concept. Sucks sometimes getting there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but. Well, I mean, and, you know, to be a creative in that painful place of where you've got this beautiful vision and your execution is not there. I mean, that's, that's an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that stopped me for many years. I would, I would pick something up. I would try it. It would not um, immediately be perfect because I'm a perfectionist. I'm a one on the Enneagram. Like it's gotta, it's gotta be just so. Um, and it wasn't, you know, and I was not um, sort of mentally resilient or, or emotionally resilient enough to sort of deal with that discomfort for, for a while. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me, and I've mentioned this quote before um, from Ira Glass. It goes around the internets every once in a while, but it's about taste, you know, and it's a, it's a story for beginners um, that he shared one time. It's like we, you know, as as artists or potential creatives, we have, you know, this certain taste level, but but we're beginners <laughs> and you know it 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 takes some time and a lot of of trial and error lots of failing to get there um but it takes some time to actually meet yourself meet your own taste level and you know that just speaks to like putting in the time and the hours and being patient yeah really there's no magic formula to it I welcome that. I welcome that now in sobriety. You know, I feel like I am a little calmer. Uh, understanding how how I work a little bit more is helpful to uh, slow down, be open, and take the journey. And uh, I really, I love what Don. I feel like I've watched your journey. You know, and that's what I think is so great about social media and getting to look at these little squares and seeing how people have evolved and changed and grown their business. I got to see you in action last winter at, um, in Santa Rosa and to see your booth and to introduce my friends to you. And it was awesome. Yeah. I know I miss that. And you were, you were just out by me last weekend. How did the market go in light of what's going on with COVID and how it? it was amazing. I was a little bit hesitant. I wasn't quite sure. Um, I went in with high hopes and low expectations, um, but it was really, it was good. You know, um, there was a good turnout. 
everybody was super respectful and wearing their masks and using their hand sanitizer before and after touching anything. And um, it wasn't crowded, but there was a good turnout and uh, people were in the mood to shop. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really good. I'm going to be up there in a couple of weeks too. Okay. I'll be back in Sebastopol. Yeah. Uh, well, Don, there's probably so much more that we could talk to you about, but I want to make sure, you know, uh, to honor your time and also our listeners so that they don't listen to three hour podcasts, you know, <laughs> we could keep doing this, but um, is there anything that we missed or anything that you want to share? Like we, we definitely want you to share uh, how people can find you and then we're going to do our three things. Yeah. So you can find me. I'm on Instagram. I was elevate magic jewelry. Um, but I changed it recently. So I'm on Instagram at elevate.adornment. And my website is elevateadornment.com. And those are the places I hang out. And you're going to give a discount code to our listeners. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So I, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to this unruffled community because I mean, seriously, they've been so supportive of my business. I've gotten so many orders from fellow Unruffleds. Um, you know, sometimes I recognize the name from like the Facebook group. Sometimes they don't even say anything. And then months later, I see their name in the Facebook group. I was like, oh, that's an Unruffled. Um, mm, so such a supportive community, right? It is. This community has super shown up for me, you know, mm. and supported my little business. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful for that. So, yeah, so I have a discount code. It's uh, Unruffled Gratitude, and you get 20% off of your order. So it's mm. good for one, one order per person, but for as many items as you want in that one order. Wow. Oh, nice. That's a screaming deal. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, thank you, Don. Our listeners will be grateful for that as well. Well, okay. So you know how this goes. If you've listened to us before, right? You know that we're going to do the three tools in your toolbox, either uh, creatively um, focused or sobriety related, whatever are your top three tools that you want to share? What you got? Yeah. Um, so, well, before I share my three tools, I just wanted to say also that I found your podcast I think around the time that I was starting to starting the business and starting the creative thing. And I just so appreciate, um, the community that you've built and, um, and the podcast. And I feel like I had, I had, um, some in real life sober friends, but I didn't really have in real life, like creative friends. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I have, I do, I do now, but at the time, like that podcast and you guys talking about creativity sort of through the lens of sobriety, like really filled like a void and really helped keep me, um, positive, like in a positive mindset about creativity and, um, and sort of the, the doableness of this, uh, sober creative life. So I, I just want to say thank you for that. Mm, I really thanks appreciate for saying that. that. Uh, Appreciate that, Dawn. Okay, tools, toolbox. Yeah. First one is books, just reading. I, um, I've been a, a 
I was an avid reader as a kid. I mean, I could just spend hours in books and, um, and that of course all went away during drinking, you know, and, um, and I sort of in my sobriety, um, rediscovered that, that love of reading and, um, and it's part of my morning routine that I just, you know, I read, um, for at least 20 minutes, usually longer, um, and do my 10 minute meditation, but that reading, you know, and I read a lot right now of sort of self-development and those kinds of books. And it's just introduced me to, um, so many other tools, um, in recovery, you know, the Enneagram and um, sort of integral recovery. And um, it's just, it's the doorway that a lot of the tools that, that I later end up using, that's how I get introduced to them is through books. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so that's, yeah. And um, the second thing is writing. Um, when I think of like this, single biggest tool in recovery. Um, I mean, aside from community, but, but like writing, actually putting pen to paper and writing things down, um, has been huge. I mean, I've been a journaler for a while, not, not every day, but like when I'm going through something tough, when I'm unsure about my feelings, um, writing things, it's like, I don't even understand. I don't even know what I'm feeling until I write it down. Mm. Um, it's just such a good process for me. And like the fourth step was huge for me, like actually writing things down and my sponsor had me do it very long form. Um, so it was, it was a lot of writing and writing and writing and writing. And I just needed that to, to like really get stuff out of my head and start to make sense of everything. Um, and it continues to be, um, a tool to help me figure out my feelings and also, a little bit of, you know, self-expression too, you know, and that's one of the things in the business that has been interesting sort of, to, you know, I'll start off writing an Instagram caption. I think it's going to be two sentences and all of a sudden Instagram is cutting me off because like, come on, <laughs> paragraph eight. <laughs> so love it. that's a great tool. Yeah, writing has been huge for me. And then the last one is um, repetition, specifically as it as it relates to creativity. Um, like the repetition of stringing beads is so um, relaxing to me and so meditative to me, and. Um, you know, it's again, having a format, having a container for that creativity. Um, and repetition is, is, is huge for me because sometimes when things get too like blank canvasy, if I find it to be intimidating, but it's through repeating these small acts Mm. that, um, I can really tap into that sort of flow state um, of creativity. So stringing beads and lately I've been stitching a bit too, Sandra, um, Mm -hmm. your feelings. I love your stitching work. It's beautiful. Yeah. I've been stitching my, uh, anti-racist work. And so just that too, that, that repetition of stitching, I just find so, um, soothing. Mm -hmm. I relate. 
Oh, Dawn, thank you so much for chatting with us and sharing so much of your story. I am grateful to get to know you better. I'm same here. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. And keep on what you're doing. And I, I just got a beautiful bracelet from you and I sent you my other one to get restrung. Thank yep. you very much. It's, that it's bro. in the mail. Oh, perfect. I meant to try to get you that message before you sent me the other one, but that's great. I, I love that wrap, how it wraps around three times. What is that? Oh yeah. Wrap I have a wrap. I, I got a wrap too. I love it. Yeah. What is that one called Don? <clears throat> that I ordered? That one's that sandalwood and lotus wrap. Actually, I'm out of that one right now. Uh, okay. Well, I'm yeah, I'm out of that one. I'm okay. I'm trying. One of my goals this year is to not order new supplies. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to only use what I already have. Um, so you got the last one of those. <laughs> oh, I feel so lucky. Well, yeah. I am so lucky. Thank you for letting me adorn. Adornment is part of my morning routine, and I know we didn't get to fully get into adornment. I wanted to chat with you about that, but it is. Um, it's very important. And I love that one of your pieces is on my wrist. You and Sasha uh, decorate my left wrist. So I do appreciate that from both of yes. you. You're both with yeah. me. Okay. Um, thank you, Dawn, so much. Thank you. Thank we'll you guys. Soon. It was great talking to you. Mm. Loved it. Bye, guys. Bye, Sandra. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Solis. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.